as we go through life, as we go through situations, when stuff come upon us, when something happens real quick, take time and pray. Nehemiah said he prayed right before he answered the king, he prayed and then he said. That prayer put him in tune with God, asked God for help, and allowed him to put forth a request. And after the request, he said, I wanted to go back and help build my city. And guess what the king said? All right, go. And I'm gonna give you some money to go do it. God is ready and excited and eager to respond quickly. Our responsibility is to pray and to ask. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for January 27th, 2019. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message called World Engines, Daniel, Daniel 70 Weeks. Now, Pastor Olu reminds us that the purpose of prayer is to put us as Christians in tune with God. Now, Pastor Olu teaches us that God is ready, excited, and eager for us to pray so that he can answer us. He says that the answer to prayer comes with understanding and insight so that we are better equipped to do God's works. Now he'll be reading from the book of Daniel. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. Daniel chapter nine, we're now getting into, we took kind of a break of the prophetic area and the visions that Daniel was having. And from seven, chapter seven, chapter eight, we broke into Daniel's prayer. We looked at a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I love that phrase at the end of his prayer, when he asked God to hear, to act, to be there, to do those things, God. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, pay attention. Lord, act. And in that prayer that Daniel had, God responded. He responded to that prayer. And we're going to look at that response today. Daniel chapter 9, starting at verse uh, 20. Remember, this is the end of Daniel's prayer. Starting at verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you. For you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Verse 24. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both the vision and the prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem, to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks, it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for a half of the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offerings. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. What we have just read in Daniel chapter 9, starting verses 24 through 
uh, the end of the chapter, are what some say is the most debated, the most difficult portions of Scripture in the Bible, especially when it comes to prophecy. I've been laboring for weeks uh, trying to study this portion of Scripture, and I've been in serious prayer asking God how and what portions of it he would have us to bring out and to highlight. So we're going to be talking about some of that. This portion of Scripture deals with the future. And, you know, we've seen some of the other prophecies and some of the visions that Daniel had, but this one didn't have any crazy beasts, any crazy horns or anything. It was like Gabriel came down and just told him straight up what's about to happen. And so we're going to look at that. But starting at verse 20, I want to just set the context of what we're about to hear. Remember, Daniel had been reading in Jeremiah. And he had seen all these things, all these crazy visions he had before. He was reading in Jeremiah, and he read about that God told Jeremiah the prophet that because of the people's transgression, that God was going to judge them for 70 years. You remember, we, we kind of drew it a little bit on the board. God told them that every seven years, they were supposed to have a jubilee, let the, let the land rest, and they didn't. And they had skipped 70 of them, actually, like 490 years. So God told Jeremiah that for 70 years, they're going to be in captivity. And as Daniel was reading this, he was like, yo, look at my clock. That's 70 years is almost up. And so he began to pray. And as you remember our prayer, we went through the prayer. He talked about he confessed the sins of himself. He confessed the sins of the people. And he asked God, said, God, we've been in this tribulation. We've been in this hard times. We've been in this captivity for almost 70 years. God, please keep your promise. God, please remember us and deliver us and set us free. That was his prayer. So at the end of that prayer, this is what happened. While I was speaking, verse 20, and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision of the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of evening sacrifice. While I was speaking, he made me understand, speaking with me, saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to you to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Now, it's a lot of stuff that happened in those two verses. One thing that Gabriel tells him and that we can see in the text is that God hears our prayers and God responds. God hears our prayers and he responds. And what's interesting as we look at the passage, what it says is that God is eager to answer our prayers. Sometimes we pray and we feel like nothing's going on. Or sometimes we think, well, you know, uh, one, you know I'm not going to waste my time or I pray and I just feel like I'm saying words. The Bible shows us here in the situation with Daniel that God was eager to answer our prayer. Look what it says. Verse 21. Whom I had seen in the vision of first came to me in swift flight. In swift flight. Now, when you look at the original language, that word has the idea of a full sprint. As a matter of fact, a full sprint so much that you're tired, that you're out of breath. Janiah had a game today, and uh, I was playing soccer, and soccer is one of the sports you can't stop running. If I just broke off right now in a full sprint, I could go for about, I don't know, 30 seconds maybe? Straight full sprint. Full sprint. Maybe, maybe 30 seconds. I promise y'all be <sighs> wearisome is a good, good old word for that. The idea there is that when Daniel prayed, God was so eager to send an answer that Gabriel said he came in full sprint. 
to answer that prayer. Think about that. God's response to us, he's ready. He's waiting for us to pray so that he can get there quick. Utterly exhausted, uh, Gabriel said, because he came so fast. Our prayer, God is ready to hear and he is, he is listening and he's ready to respond. So pray. So pray. Nehemiah chapter 2. I love this portion of scripture. God is eager. God is ready to respond. God doesn't delay. He's capable of, of, of responding quick. In Nehemiah chapter 1, and this, is, this actually is in context what we were talking about. Because Nehemiah shows up a little bit after Daniel and has to do with the people that were in captivity going back to Babylon. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for one of the Persian kings, Artaxerxes. And so you remember it was the Babylonians and then the Medes and the Persians came next. And so while the Persians were in charge, Nehemiah was one of the cupbearers. And so the story goes in Nehemiah chapter 1 that Nehemiah was chilling one day. His brother shows up from Jerusalem because remember... When they were captive, Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem, he snatched up the best, and he took a bunch of people back to Babylon with them. Some people stayed in the city. But because they were under such poverty and ransacked, things were terrible. And so his brother came and was like, yo, what's up? And he told him, he said, man, it's, it's terrible. The walls are torn down. Other countries are just coming in, killing, snatching our women, snatching our kids, stealing stuff. The streets are terrible. It's a shame what's happening to God's city. And the Bible says when Nehemiah heard what was going on in his hometown, that his whole countenance changed. And he was a cupbearer. That means, you know what a cupbearer is. The king back in the day used to drink stuff and eat stuff. And in case someone wanted to poison the king, <laughs> there used to be a guy who had to test the food and test the drink before the king did it. So if the guy took a drink and then passed out and died, and the king knows somebody was trying to poison him. So that was Nehemiah's job. All right. So he was sitting there and apparently he had a, no, a calm, happy countenance, because if you look with me in Nehemiah chapter two, starting at verse two, the king asked him, why is your face sad, seeing that you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness in the heart. And Nehemiah said, then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, let the king leave forever. And he goes on to say, how can I be happy when my city, the place of my father's, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what are you requesting? I like this part. And so Nehemiah said, so I prayed to the God of heaven and I say it to the king. What that showed me was that Nehemiah said right then and there, before I said anything, I prayed. And that's a testament to us. As we go through life, as we go through situations, when stuff come upon us, when something happens real quick, take time and pray. Nehemiah said he prayed right before he answered the king. He prayed and then he said that prayer put him in tune with God, asked God for help and allowed him to put forth a request. And after the request, he said, I wanted to go back and help build my city. And guess what? The king said, all right, go. And I'm going to give you some money too to go do it. God is ready and excited and eager to respond quickly. Our responsibility is to pray and to ask. Back in Daniel chapter 9, the angel Gabriel said, listen, as soon, look at that verse 23, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, the decree went out, the word went out, and I have come. That's how quick God wanted to respond. As soon as Daniel started praying, Gabriel said, as soon as you start praying, uh, dear father, hey, Gabriel, go. Pew! And he took off just like that. 
Our God is eager and excited and ready to answer our prayer. So what did he come to say? 22. This is Gabriel talking again. He said, he made me understand. Um, this is Daniel. He made me understand speaking with me and saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. When we pray to God, he is eager and he is ready and able to quickly give us an answer. And with the answer, with prayer comes understanding and an answer. I like how the word breaks down understanding. The word there is insight. When we pray, we're getting insight from God. God's able to give us insight. The word insight, if you look at it, insight is simply in see. It's not just seeing. It's in seeing or seeing in. Matter of fact, let's say I drew this picture and ask you, what's that? What could that be? A giraffe. Palm tree. Someone with eczema. That's very detailed. <laughs> the thing is, you don't know what it is. We're just seeing it with your physical eye. Okay. Now, some of you are right. <laughs> what it is not eczema. <laughs> eczema. Yes. What it is, or it could be, is a picture of somebody standing inside a house, and this is a window. And outside the window is a giraffe. And the giraffe is standing outside of somebody's house. What happens is you can see this, but until you have the understanding, until you know what well, this is a window, this is this, this, and you see the whole picture, that's when you have insight. What the angel told Daniel and what God gives us when we pray is insight. He gives us the ability to Understand. Insight means to gain an accurate or deep understanding of something, to actually see in. In the book of Mark, you got to turn there. You remember the story in the book of Mark? Jesus was, it was a blind guy, and the guy's been blind all his life. And so he came to Jesus and said, I want to see. So Jesus touched his eyes and he said, Can you see? And what, remember what the man said? He said, I see people walking around and men look like trees. And so God, Jesus came and he touched him again and he said, can you see? He said, oh, yeah, now I can see. Those are two different words that he used for see. The first one was physical. The second one, now I see with understanding. See, the first time he saw some stuff, but he didn't understand what he was looking at. When God, when Christ touched his eyes again, he was able to understand. So insight is to be able to see and understand. We go through a lot of stuff in life that we don't understand. And so God says that when you pray to me, the example is in Daniel, Gabriel said, I have come to give you insight. I've come to help you understand, not just see, not just to know some stuff, but to understand some things. In Ephesians, turn there, our favorite book, Ephesians chapter one. We went through this some years ago, but in Ephesians chapter one, verse 15, Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and we can apply it to the church here. He says in verse 15, chapter 1, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. For example, Paul prayed. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes, watch this, of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which you are called, what are the riches of his glory and the inheritance of his saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Paul said, I'm praying that your eyes will be open. And notice, eyes open, insight, that you can see. He won't say that you're walking around with a blindfold on. He's talking about seeing with understanding. Paul says, I'm praying that you're able to see with understanding. And notice in the verse before that, what does that come from? The Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of him. Insight, understanding, the opening of your eyes comes from the knowledge of Christ, from the wisdom of the Spirit and the Father of the glory. We have to know Christ in order to understand. We have to know Christ in order to have insight, in order to see with understanding. Back in Daniel chapter 9, we are treasured by God. The angel tells him that. He calls him, he says, oh, Daniel, I've come now to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning, you're pleased with out. I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. You are treasured by God. We need to understand that God treasures us. God loves us. And I'm talking about prayer because, again, I want us to focus this year on praying. And we're going to talk about this as a church meeting, setting up some times to actually get together as a corporate body, as a church collectively to pray. Because when we pray, according to Scripture, God is able to give us insight, to give us understanding. And we need understanding in our lives. We need to know. We have decisions that need to be made. So, therefore, pray. Pray to get understanding. You might say, well, you know, I try to read my Bible and I study my scriptures and sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it's hard. I don't really get it. I mean, you see it, but you don't really understand it. What do I do in that situation? Well, I look back at Daniel. Daniel prayed and the Bible said God sent immediately an angel sprinting so much that he was tired when he got there. Whew, heard you praying. So God sent me. I'm here to give you insight. And so when we read the scripture, you don't understand and pray to God. Say, God, listen. I want to read your word. I want to understand. I don't. Please give me insight. And the Bible said because you are loved and treasured by God and because God is eager to answer that he will give you insight. I don't understand what's happening right now. You might be going through some things as we go through situations in life. Things are confusing. You might not know why this is happening. You don't understand. It's just it's just so confusing because you can't see. And so what does the scripture says? God is the one who gives insight. He is able to give you insight, give you that understanding to the situation that you're going through right now. And so pray. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know what decisions to make. I got to, should I go with A? Should I go with B? Should I make this decision about this school? Should I make decisions about that school? Should I make decisions about this job? Should I go with that job? How, how should I discipline this child? Should I discipline him this way? Should I discipline her this way? Should I do... All the decisions that we have to make that we're confused and we don't understand. Instead of sitting there trying to figure out about our, by ourselves, the Bible says, Jesus said, the scripture says here in Daniel, God is there to give us insight. And so pray. Because that's where insight comes. How do I respond in this situation? You might be thrown into a situation out the blue that you don't know how to respond. Just like Nehemiah was. He just came to work one day. His face happened to be sad, and the king, the king, the one who would kill him with a snap of the finger, said, hey, what's wrong with you? You used to happy. What's wrong with you? He said, oh, my back home stuff is going on. Well, what can I do? Ooh, right then. Let me get back to you. I'm going to go get a quick plan together. I'm going to go talk to a few people. He didn't have time. 
He said he prayed right then, and then God gave him the words. Why? Because God is eager to give us understanding and an answer and insight. And insight comes from the knowledge of Christ. And so in order to get insight, I have to be in tune with God through the reading of his word, through falling on my knees and communing and talking with God and asking him. And if we do that, the Bible says that he will give us insight and he will give us understanding. It's interesting that if we're going to claim Daniel's results, Daniel prayed, God answered, God sent a quick answer. If we're going to claim Daniel's results to that, we need to look at how Daniel lived. And we've been taking our time going through Daniel, looking at how he lived. One of the things we saw in order that when I pray, and we might be sitting here thinking, well, you know, Olu, I pray. I've been praying all my life and I haven't seen no angel showed up out of breath because he was quickly trying to get here to answer my prayer. So one of the things to say is, okay, let's look at how Daniel lived, because how Daniel lived has something to do with how God responded to Daniel. And we saw Daniel chapter one. We spent a long time talking about how Daniel purposed in his heart that he was not going to eat the king's meat. That means that Daniel, before situations came up, had a purpose in his heart. This is the things that I'm going to do. These are the things that I'm not going to do. And I'm going to use this list as I walk through life. And so when situations come up, Daniel will pull up his list. Is this on the, this is what I'm going to do list or not? Oh, this is what I'm not going to do? Well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to participate in that with y'all today. He purposed in his heart. We looked at that word and it had the idea of taking a flag and staking it. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I am. And so God was able to answer quickly and give insight. Why? Because Daniel was someone who had purpose in his heart that it was a kind of way he was going to live. In Daniel chapter 6, talking about the lion's den, Daniel, the Bible says that he distinguished himself with excellence. Remember we talked about that? He distinguished himself. There was a line where everybody else was, and then there was a level where Daniel was. It was a level of excellence. And the Bible said that he had distinguished himself, how he carried himself, how he worked, how he lived. And so in order for me, looking at the example of Daniel, how do I get my prayers answered quick? How do I get insight and understanding? How do I get angels showing up in my door telling me this is what God said? Well, at the example of Daniel, I'm to live a life that's distinguished. I'm to live a life where people can say, you know what? I see what everybody else do, but it's something about that Olu right there. It's something about that Janiah. There's something about that Tyler right there where she's just a little bit, living a little more excellent than everybody else. And then we also saw in Daniel chapter 6 that the Bible says that those around him recognized that he constantly served his God. Remember? The guys who were trying to get him jacked up. He said, you know, the only thing we can do about this guy is all we know is that he constantly served God. As a matter of fact, the king said, after they threw him in the lion's den, Darius said, Daniel, pray to your God whom you serve continuously. The world knew. Everybody around him knew what kind of person he was. Does the world, do the people around you know what kind of person you are? The people that are close to you, people that are not close to you, can they, do they know? Well, I would do that, but you know how Jaden is. Jaden don't get down like that. He's whatever. There are people that are around you that know I could do that, but, you know, Brenda don't, she don't really. The Bible says that Daniel lived such a life that people around him recognized that he constantly served his God. And so we're going to claim Daniel's response to that insight, to that wisdom, to God quickly answering his prayer. We need to make sure that we're living a life wholly acceptable and pleasing unto him. And so the angel shows up after Daniel's prayer and he tells him, I have come to give you understanding and insight. Situation was, though, that the answer to the prayer that the angel brought was not necessarily what Daniel wanted to hear. 
You see, when God answers, he answers. But most of the times, some of the times, the answer is not what we're looking for. And so the angel starts at the end of verse 23, said, therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. And so he begins to break situations down. There's a lot here. This is a Bible study section. All right. I'm not going to do the Bible study section. I really want to. But this is a, a, a message. And so we want to give an overview what the scripture is saying to us. How can I apply it to my life? Once we get into Bible study, maybe we'll get to Daniel and we'll actually break this down. Everything that's going on here. But what I want to do is I want to look at the scripture. And today we're going to start saying, OK, what is it that God is saying? Who is he saying it to? And what am I supposed to do with that information? I believe that the word of God is active for today. And so the question is, what is God saying and how am I supposed to respond to this? So we know that God hears. We know that God's respond. This next portion in verse 24 on down is pretty much saying that God is God and he will hold his people and all people accountable. God is God and he will hold his people and all people accountable. Verse 24, 70 weeks I decreed about your people and the holy city to and then Daniel goes, the angel tells him six things that have to happen. Six things that are going to happen in these 70 weeks. In your Bibles, does your, everyone Bible says 70 weeks or does anybody in the Bible says 77? Yours says 77? So when we look at the original text, the word there isn't the word for weeks. The word there is seven. And so what the angel comes and tells him, the angel says, look here, Daniel. Your people have been in captivity for almost 70 years. All right. So the Babylon captivity that started about 70 years. Remember, Jeremiah said it, this was going to happen. And so we have Babylon. Then they went to Persia, the Persians. That was for 70 years. And so Daniel looked at the timeline and he said, that's about to be up. And so that's when he prayed. And so the angel showed up and says, listen, Daniel, God said there was going to be 70 years because the people were disobedient. But guess what? They're going to be 77 more of punishment, of captivity, of the wrath of God. Seventy sevens. Now, when we look at the scripture, and you look at the context, and you look at how they talk back at the end of the day, that word sevens is, can be used for weeks. And so we sometimes usually translate it seven weeks. But the idea is that there will be 70 sevens. 70, let me ask y'all to do some math. Times seven equals what? 490. So what's going to happen? The angel comes in and tells Daniel that, listen, we know at this jump we said 70, but guess what? During the 70 years, guess what the people were doing? Were they repenting? No. Were they just turning from their wicked ways? No. Matter of fact, Daniel in his prayer was still praying, God, forgive us for our sins. The people were still disobedient to God. And so God said, based on the people's transgression, based on their continuing to sin, I'm not just going to give them 70. I'm going to tack on another 70 sets of seven. Or I gave them seven in the jump. Now I'm going to give them seven more 70s that the people are going to have to go through. And then God begins to tell him the different things that's going to happen. We must truthfully acknowledge the biblical existence, supremacy, and immutability of all God's attributes. 
what God is showing Daniel is that, and I started off saying that God is God. And because God is God, there's some things that he has to do because of who he is. And so we talk about God and we talk about the attributes of God, the thing God is. And we had a little Bible study on the names of God. And we looked at the names of God and we said that the name of God represents his attributes or his characteristics or who he is. And so what do we know about God? We know that God has a couple of attributes, several of them, and they're represented in his name. We know that God is just. So because who he is, there's the justice of God. We know that God is holy. We know that God is faithful. We know that God is love. We know, I've started right now, God is merciful. And we know that God is gracious. These are six of the attributes of God. And God has names that go along with attributes. God is justice. Elohim Shoptim, Baretz, or Jehovah Hasophet. God is just. We know God is holy. Elohim Kedoshim. God is holy. We know God is faithful. El Imuna. We know God is love. Elohim Chasti. We know God is mercy. Elohi Chasidi. And we know God is grace. All of these things are attributes of God. So because God is God, that means that he is each one of these things. Now, God is not like us. We are humans. We're made of different things. Okay, so I have attributes, but sometimes other attributes shine over others. You might see Olin like, oh, he's in a good mood today. And so you might see me happy and joyful. Another time you might see me down. One time you might see me energetic. Another time you might see me kind of slothful. Why? Because I am made of parts. And so at times, certain characteristics will be up, one be down, one be shining, one be hidden, all this kind of stuff are made of parts. But God, what we talk about in scriptures, we learn that God is unity. That means God's not made of parts. God is God. What that means is that each one of God's characteristics exists 100% all the time. So it's not God is mad and God is happy or God is holy and then God is love or God is merciful. But then God is no God is this all the time. And each one of these characteristics exists in themselves. So in God's justice, God is also love. And while God is holy, he is at the same time merciful and he is love at the same time he is graceful. So God is all these things. And so when God came to his people and he said, I am telling you this. If you love me, if you keep my commandments, I will do this. If you don't, I will judge you. What we're about to see is God's justice and his holiness enacted. Sin will and must be paid for. One will be held accountable for their sins. Why? Because God is just and God is holy. We talked about God is holy a couple of weeks ago. God is holy. That means he can't stand being the presence of anything that's not like him, anything that's sinful. And so because of that, God is shunned away from that. And then his justice has to do with his equity. That means that God says, I'm going to give you what you do. So if you do right, you do right. If you do wrong, you're going to get it wrong because that's what God is. That's what iniquity is. Iniquity means inequity. God is fair. He's going to give you what you ask for. And so if I line up with God, God said, oh, you're going to be blessed. If I don't line up with God, God said, I have to be fair. I can't treat you any different. I have to be fair. You're going against my character, so I got to come down with wrath on you. 
And so God has his justice says that he is going to judge sin. We will be held accountable for every sin we do. God told the children of Israel that you are going to be held accountable. And that's what happened. God waited 490 years to bring his wrath on Judah. Remember, God said that you're going to be 70 years because for the past 70 years, you've missed all these jubilees. Sometimes, sometimes God's punishment or God's wrath or God's judgment or his chastisement isn't immediate. Sometimes it takes some time for it to come. Due to the children of Israel's continued iniquity, God said, I'm going to give you seven more 70s. Daniel prayed for the end of the judgment. God's answer was not that. God said that it's going to be about 490, 770s more of this stuff is going to go on for you. And then when we look at history, we see that. Nebuchadnezzar was the only one who captured and messed up the Jews. We keep reading in history, we see Antiochus. Antiochus Epiphanes, when we talked about him, what he did, all those Jews that he murdered. We get down to 70 AD, Titus. He came through, set fire to the temple. And Josephus tells us, when we look at history also, tells us that over a million Jews were slaughtered in the streets. It was so bad that as they were getting slaughtered and killed, that the people who were alive just used to run out and just grab the clothes off the dead people and put them on them and keep trying to get out. Millions and millions of Jews were killed. Hitler, that whole Holocaust that was going on. What we see is that years after, years after God's wrath is shown on the children of Israel, God will judge his people at his appropriate time. But what Daniel shows us also is that though God is just and he has to judge in his holiness, God is also faithful. That's why we heard the term Jehovah. God in his covenant, God says that I will keep my covenant. Even in our sin, God said, I am faithful. If I said it, I'm going to do it. And God will keep his promise. He will always do what he says. And his promises, the Bible says, his promises are always yes. And God told his people, I will come for you again. And even though you stray away from me, God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation and every nation will be blessed by you. I'm going to make you big as all the stars in the sky, as all the grains of sand in the sea. God is going to bless his people. And he tells them that as he goes through this list of six things that are going on. And God will forgive because God is love and he is merciful and he is grace. God has all these in the same time. So all these attributes goes hand in hand. The problem comes when we only focus on certain attributes. And we talk about, oh, God is love, oh, God will forgive, oh, God is merciful. And we spend all our time talking about that, and we forget the fact that God also has to deal with sin. Because of that, sometimes you hear people talking about a false god. That's what idol worship is, worshiping or talking about God who is not God. And so if I constantly only talk about God's love and God's mercy and God's grace and don't mention the fact that God will judge sin because he has to because he's holy, what I'm doing, I'm presenting a false idol of God. So my response is, I need to live my life understanding who God is fully. That's why the children of Israel were in the predicament they were in, because they were not doing that. They were looking at God like, ah, oh, whatever, we can do whatever we want to do. And sometimes we see that in our lives. Sometimes I make decisions based on not God's holiness or God's justice, but I know, oh, God, I know I can pray and God will forgive me. True. But at the same time, he has to hold me accountable. 
Why? Because we're precious and he loves us. This is a message that God came to tell Daniel. And as we go through this, we're going to go through a little more detail of what he's saying. We're going to get to these six things that he said he was going to do. Finish the transgression, make an end to sin, make an atonement for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and anoint the most holy place. God said it's going to be 77s. And in the 77s, these six things are going to happen. Why? Because I'm God. All this. Of course, there's more to this list. And I have to judge sin and I have to hold you accountable when you disobey. I will be faithful. I will keep my promise because I am also love and mercy and grace. And so my response, our response today to by the Christ is to twofold. One, understand that God hears our prayers, that God responds. He's ready to respond. Understand that as I go through problems, situations and different things, as I have to make decisions in life, Sometimes when I'm confused about what to do next, confused about myself, the things I'm feeling, things I'm thinking, things I don't understand. Why am I getting these thoughts? I, I don't really understand what's going on with me right now. Pray. The Bible says that God is quick and he's ready to give you insight. And with that insight, I can understand. Oh, now I see. I erased my giraffe, but now I see. Now I understand. Because God knows the end from the beginning. And if we pray, he's there. And also, as we pray, understand that when God's answers be ready for the response, Daniel wasn't ready for what he's about to hear. But God made it clear to him that I am holy. And so I will respond to this sin. I am faithful. I will keep my promise because I still love you. And so our lives as Christians should be a culmination of that. I should, on the one hand, make sure that my prayer life with God is in tune, that I'm taking time to pray to God, making sure I'm in his word so I can get the insight. Paul said, I pray that you would understand the knowledge and the wisdom and the knowledge of Christ so that your eyes will be open and you will be enlightened to what you have in Christ. And at the same time, I need to live my life knowing that God is love and God is grace and God is merciful and God is faithful. But God is also judge, justice. God is just and God is holy. And because of that, I need to line myself up. The word they use is live in fidelity. Fidelity means that I need to live faithful. I need to live loyal. I need to live in a committed life, just as Daniel did. We're going to get into what the angel told Daniel, how it applies to the children of Israel, and how it applies to our life as we continue to the book of Daniel. God, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word today. We thank you for how you showed us in your word, God, that you are eager and ready to answer our prayer, God. I pray, God, that as a church that we will be faithful in prayer. And God, that you would give us insight. Insight to several things, God. Insight to how we are to live our life. Insight to us as a church, as the body of Christ, God. How do we move forward? We're about to have a meeting next week, God. I pray that you would give us insight, God, to what are the decisions we need to make so that we can ensure that we are living holy and acceptable unto you, God. That we're making decisions that honor you. We thank you, God, how you showed us in Daniel that you are eager and ready to tell us. You're not trying to hold any secrets from us, God. You're not trying to fool us or trick us. You're not even trying to make us figure it out on our own. You told us that you are ready to give us understanding and insight and wisdom, God. So I pray that as a body of Christ, collectively, God, that we will take time and fall on our knees. Separate time during the day to pray to you so that we can get the insight, God, for our church, 
it will get insight for our families. How do I raise these kids? How do I deal with my wife? How do I deal with my husband? How do I deal with people around me? How do I influence my family members? What are those things I'm supposed to do? How do I work in school? How do I understand these lessons? How do I deal on my job? How do I deal around my friends? All these things, God, that you said that you wanted to give us insight. I pray that we fall on our faces and become a church of prayer, God. And as we do that, God, I pray that we, as Daniel, that we will be dedicated to you, that we will determine in our hearts that we will not go against you, God, that we will live a purposeful life, holy and acceptable unto you, God, that others around us will say, you know what? Olu constantly serves God. Pray, God, that we understand from your word that you are holy and you are just. And not to live in fear because of your holiness and your justice, God, but that we will live a life holy and acceptable and pleasing unto you. So that our lives will be pleasing to you, God, and all we say, we do, we think. Thank you for your justice, God. We thank you for your holiness, God. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Be with us, God, as we enter this week. Help us live a life holy and acceptable unto you, God, so that we may be the world engines here in Babylon. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.